Where is Derek Carr going to end up playing in 2023? Is there a new backfield brewing in Los Angeles? And how should you handle the Brady-less Buccaneers in the FFPC never-too-early tournaments? Plus, the $50,000 winner and champion of the 2022 FFPC High Society League Number 1, Eric Johnson, hops aboard to talk about the evolving Cowboys backfield, who the second tight end off the board should be in FFPC drafts right now, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, Farrell and I are going to rap about what the 2023 Atlanta Falcons uh, offense is going to look like. We're going to talk about our thoughts on the Sean Payton-led Denver Broncos this season, and then the $50,000 winner and champion of the 2022 FFPC High Society League number one, Eric Johnson, is going to dish on year two of Deshaun Watson and Cleveland. Some dynasty changes you should probably be making on your teams as we speak and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, uh, you can do so at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman and check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com with openings in the big game uh, Sunday drafts uh, coming up, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after you guys know what game is being played that day. You can also uh, post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFR. And of course, uh, you can email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, suites, and emails and the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer, and mutual friend Rob. You can win currently right now $25,000 in the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament at just a $125 entry fee at myffpc.com. You can also go to myffpc.com and win $5,000 in the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Superflex Best Ball Tournament as well. That's just a $35 entry. Once again, myffpc.com. Both tournaments are going to run until the start of the NFL draft. They will conclude on April 27th. They're going to follow the best ball slim rules, no kickers, no defenses, with a 20-round draft, 14-week regular season, single-week elimination playoffs, with a champion being crowned at the end of the playoffs in week 17. Drafts are available, two-hour clock, six-hour clock, 60-second clock, and a 30-second sit-and-go option as well. Uh, make sure you're checking that out at myffpc.com, and don't forget while you're there to pick up any number of the great um, uh, Dynasty Orphan options we have there. If you want to get into fantasy football playing it year-round, you can do that at myffpc.com. And don't forget to check out the Dynasty Depot. You know, we had the Better Sports Network air last night with Dynasty Depot co-founder Nelson Verbit Gave everybody a great uh, a discount code. He gave me permission to, to 
give it to you guys tonight, FFPC5. Uh, so you can get a free, uh, not a free, but you get to, to have access to DynastyDepot.com for 60 days for just five bucks. There you can buy teams, you can sell teams, you can bid on teams, dominate, win your way into uh, the FFPC main event in 2024, depending upon how successful you are there. DynastyDepot.com is a lot of fun. Make sure you're checking that out, or you can always pick up your orphan teams at MyFFPC.com. Remember to like this uh, stream tonight. Remember to subscribe to the FFPC YouTube channel. Comment on the video, share the video with all your friends, and get notified so you can find out exactly when we're going on air with any of the number of the great shows we have here. Of course, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown, live uh, basketball coverage, live main event coverage, live football guys draft coverage, and of course, the FFPC weekly preview uh, with Aiden LaCorey and Dave Terpoli in season as well. A lot of great content here uh, available at the FFPC YouTube channel. Want to bring in our co host with the most right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the incomparable Farrell Elliott joining me tonight. Farrell, happy Pro Bowl weekend to you. How are you, man? You know, uh, uh, Eli told Peyton they were going to win that dodgeball, and they went out and damn it, they didn't do it. You know, it was. <laughs> You know, and that's it's just the way it is. It's also, I will give a second billing to uh, Dave Turp because Louisville does not have a team in the Super Bowl, but Philadelphia certainly does. And, and Turp and, and uh, Jay Reed and, and all our great uh, fantasy players, uh, Armand Armani and, and those guys, they all have to be thrilled uh, about their eagles flying as high as they can possibly go. We are we're gonna get a, a, a Super Bowl prediction from Eric Johnson, our guest tonight, in about 10 minutes or so. We're gonna save ours for next uh next Wednesday, Farrell, when we do the show. Um next but I, Wednesday we're doing the show. Yeah, next Wednesday, because mm -hmm. I will not be available for a good enough internet to do a show. Uh, hanging out know, with those Rotovilles guys again. Where are you going? The Caribbean or something? Uh, uh, no. no, I am on kid duty next next weekend out of town and i don't trust uh out of town internet to do this show i trust my you, own internet you know so how I, I uh vacation balky i i, I have i have taken vacations before yes i'm aware of them but no do you know how i do it how do you do it you I work all the time i call up drew maselli and he tells me the weather in phoenix and that that's my vacation that's <laughs> that's what that's about all i get and, and that's that's good stuff you know well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people go to Louisville to vacation. Ah. So you're 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 sitting right there in, in the in the um in, in the I what does Louisville have a nickname? Um I don't so no. <laughs> no, Derby City, but you know City? not for people that is from here, you know. Okay. All right, uh, I get it. You know. Uh the, the, you know, when you come down here and win the KFFSC, we're gonna change this damn place to Balky Town. Oh, that that now that would be tremendous. Let's get the mayor on the phone right now. Uh, yes. Dizzle's calling it right now. He's saying that the nickname for Louisville should just be simply the Ville. Well, yeah, well, that's that's true. That's that's a college basketball thing, and 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 uh, they're the ones that propagated that. And uh, yeah, it it uh, yeah, it's it's a nice place to be from. Um, Trey Lance is not from Louisville, but we're going to talk uh, about him right now. He said he is not going to work on his throwing motion this offseason, according to a report in The Athletic we saw this week. Uh, Lance says he feels like he's in a really good so uh, spot. He's recovering from a second surgery on his broken angle, uh, ankle, which ended his 2022 season back in week two. He had 38 dropbacks in the season's uh, first couple of weeks this year, 
Only Anthony Brown had a lower completion rate than expected than Trey Lance. He had 6.3 yards per attempt, ranked 29th from all quarterbacks uh, in the first couple of weeks. Probably going to be competing with Brock Purdy, who's probably going to be recovering from elbow surgery uh, week one. And and I think that this 49ers thing is so compelling because Purdy definitely looked a lot better than Trey Lance ever did, but Trey Lance had the small sample size. Farrell, how do you see this shaking out um, for anybody who's drafting in the never-too-early tournament right now or in any of the big game drafts that you have going on right now um, at KFFSC.com? How do you handle this 49ers quarterback situation for drafting now? Well, I, I think we follow the lead of our champions who, before I left the show last week, uh, where I unceremoniously could not hear their responses, I was able to garner from them that they – they thought it was an intriguing situation based on where you could get both quarterbacks to get them both and see how it shakes out. I, I wonder, Balky, did did someone ask Trey Lance if he was going to work on his motion? Is that? I don't know the con. I don't know the context of it, but I would assume that it was directly. Okay. He was directly answering the question. Yeah. So if if a media guy asks you if you're going to work on your motion, what that what that football player hears is, or am I going to recreate my motion? You know, because mm-hmm. players consistently work with their coaches, quarterbacks consistently work with their coaches in the offseason, working on mechanics, working on uh, refining that motion. When a player, when a player has worked uh, to get his motion down, he's got an economy of uh, uh, of movement, and uh, he doesn't drop his arm. He gets rid of the ball quickly. You can see the ball sort of explode out of his hand. Trey Lance will work on his motion every day. He's not going to recreate his motion. And you know, media people are uh, media people are always trying to, you know, jab him a little bit. And uh, you know, so yes, Trey Lance will be like any other quarterback, working on his mechanics all year long, trying to get better. Uh, trying to get tight, trying to get ready to uh, compete with Purdy. And, you know, Purdy's got a long winning streak uh, up until this past weekend of uh, of games uh, that he's been successful in. So it's going be an interesting decision out there. But, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, if you, you know, if you still want to be in business with Trey Lance, I'm sure you can get him late. And with Purdy's injury situation, I'm sure you can get him late. Don't draft Brady. I, uh, yes, that's a good, wise advice. We'll get into more of that later on. Trey Lance right now is being drafted by the never too early drafters a little bit ahead of Brock Purdy. Trey Lance, the 18th quarterback going off the board in the mid 11th round. That's behind Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff. It is right ahead of Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson. Uh, Brock Purdy, as I said, going a little bit later, quarterback 23 at the end of the 13th round. That is right after Mac Jones, and it's right before Kenny Pickett. And uh, Tom Brady, actually, as well. So <laughs> for anybody who drafted Tom Brady before uh, the announcement came earlier this week, uh, you definitely have time to rectify that, be it in the FFPC or the KFFSC. Uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak is chiming in right now uh, in the chat, Farrell, and he wants to know, what about this other 49ers quarterback that probably is not going to be a 49ers quarterback? We heard this week um, from Kyle Shannon. He doesn't really envision a scenario that Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. And there's any number of places that he could go. You think about Washington, Carolina, New Orleans, Las Vegas. Where do you think Jimmy Garoppolo ends up next year? Because I believe he'll end up as a starter somewhere. It's a deep dive. The Vegas thing makes sense somewhat. Um, but it, it wouldn't you think it might be a bit of a downgrade uh, from Carr to Garoppolo? Uh, wouldn't you think it might be the similar salary cap expense Uh a lot of this depends on what he's willing to do from a salary standpoint. And I think that 
I, I think that he also is a quarterback with a chip on his shoulder and wants to prove something. Uh, more compelling quarterbacks in the end of it. Jimmy G will have a home because there's not, uh, there's certainly not 32 better quarterbacks in the league than Jimmy G. Um, Derek Carr, who was the quarterback in Las Vegas last year, uh, said he's not going to extend that February 15th deadline uh, for the $40.4 million guaranteed clause in his contract uh, and do the Raiders a solid because it doesn't seem like they did one. This is according to a report in ESPN. Uh, the Raiders have to trade Derek Carr now before February 15th or he will be released. I don't think that would be best for me, Derek Carr said when he was asked about it. Carr uh, obviously is, is going to be one of the more sought-after quarterbacks if he does reach free agency, which it sounds like he's going to do. Farrell, I, I, you know, as far as this guy goes right now, I, I think that you know it, it's in our minds that, okay, well, the Raiders are releasing him. So we have to believe that he's 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 lost and he doesn't have it anymore. I think there's more to it than that because he put up some decent numbers last year. Obviously, made Devonte Adams really confident uh, as well. Adams' value did not suffer with Derek Carr throwing him the football. People are drafting him as quarterback 21 in the early 12th round in the never too early best ball tournament right now. But I got to believe that once Carr finds a home, that ADP is going to go up. I like Derek Carr this year. Maybe New Orleans uh, could could have Derek Carr thrown to Michael Thomas and Chris Olave this year. They're predicting a um, – those drafters are predicting a soft landing spot for Carr. And, you know, Carr is is, uh, is no dummy. He's been a veteran. Uh, he's getting good advice. So, yes, he, he's saying trade me now, trade me quick. Don't keep this part of uh, an elongated situation, and, and that's probably to his benefit. That, that could change, but, you know, we're not going to see free agency before uh, that trade moves through. Um you know, he has not been the same player since his injury, since that leg injury. Uh, and that may have been incidental with the players that he had around him. It may not be injury specific. We're just going to have to see. You know, there's very few players in the NFL that you have the thrill to root for, whether you're a Raider fan or not, that, that you're rooting for uh, like you are with with Carr. Yeah. And, and, and I, I certainly, you know, have nothing but respect for him and hope he ends up in a good spot for him. Uh, maybe his situation will be improved in 2023 as well. Kellen Moore uh, was the OC for the Dallas Cowboys last year. He's going to be the OC for the Los Angeles Chargers this year. And according to chargers.com, he said, quote, he saw Josh Kelly start to develop a role in 2022. He mentioned Josh Kelly three times and mentioned all of the other non-Austin Eckler backs zero <laughs> times when he was talking about the Chargers backfield. So looks like Josh Kelly is probably going to have a leg up on Isaiah Spiller to back up Austin Eckler this uh, this upcoming season. Is In, in your mind, Farrell, knowing how valuable Eckler is to the Chargers offense, knowing that they want to keep him healthy, is Joshua Kelly maybe a little bit more than just simply a one-injury-away guy, more than a handcuff? Could he carve out a pretty good role in the Chargers backfield this year and make him, you know, sort of like a flexible player in certain matchups, even when Eckler's healthy. I definitely think the skill set is there. So my answer is yes. I think the reason that my answer is yes is, is I share something with all these other coaches um, that deal with Kelly. If you meet Josh Kelly, uh, as I have, I recruited him when he came out of UCLA. Um it, you know, you're enchanted with the kind of individual he is. You don't meet a lot of people that are as classy, that are as pleasant, that are as solid as Josh Kelly. So a coach meets him, he'll say, look, I'm going to make a football player out of this guy because he's got everything 
that I like in his temperament, his attitude, his skill set. And I, I think that we haven't seen the best of uh, this player coming forward. I, I loved it, you know, um, it, after his uh, during his rookie year uh, when, when um, he went off the board in Cincinnati. It was the first time I ever saw him drafted. I, I, uh, Darren Lawson took him in the uh, in the uh, and Petra, I took him in like the 15th round and I took a picture of the board and I said, you're still getting drafted, man. And he immediately texted me back and he said, Oh, this is so cool. I went to the 15th round. Who, who did I go in front of? He was really, you know, he, he's just a, a dialed in kind of individual. And I think he's a big, big part of that team. So yes, I would expect him to, uh, to continue to get touches and continue to uh, expand his career. Right now, I'm trying to see him uh, right now uh, running back 83 in the never too early best ball tournament, only been drafted once. So it's hard to say um, what his ADP was. He was selected in the 20th round. I think that's going to go up. Um, So that's a player that you can definitely get in on right now. We're going to get in on Eric Johnson, our guest tonight, the $50,000 winner in the FFPC High uh, High Society League number one. Before we do that, the last thing I want to bring up is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Josh Kendall, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Athletics, says it's not clear if they are going to be sticking with Desmond Ritter as their starting quarterback, because quote, no one saw, no one inside the building is talking. Um, Ritter only started four games this past year. Uh, the Falcons are picking eighth in the draft coming up in April, and they could land a quarterback there. Um, they could trade up uh, to land an even bigger quarterback if they want to. Arthur Smith is quoted in that same athletic article, quote, I know everybody wants to know everything right now, but there are a lot of moving parts to it. I don't think it's smart business strategy ever to give away what your plan is. So um, my thoughts on this, I I don't like necessarily handing the keys to your offense to a quarterback who you didn't invest a first round pick into. Uh, It could certainly work out if you are a second, a third or fourth round pick uh, to become a, a, a starter or a franchise quarterback. It's been done before. It yeah. is not. It is not likely, and it is not uh, something that happens a whole lot. So when the when Desmond Ritter slipped to the third round and the Falcons took him, I said, "Okay, that's that's something." I guess I probably would have gone a different direction. And now I feel like they do need a franchise quarterback. There's probably going to be four of them that will be on. Well, not four of them. But there'll be at least be two of them on the board um, when they pick at eight. If they believe in C.J. Uh, Stroud or Bryce Young, they can definitely trade up to get one of those guys. And then all of a sudden, Desmond Ritter's a backup. Um, your thoughts on the Falcons offense this coming year. Do they go after the franchise quarterback? Do they go after Ritter? And what does that do for a guy like Kyle Pitts or a guy like Drake London? I just think no one's talking to Josh. That's what the the the, the media guy here. I don't so they're know. all they're all talking in the building, just nobody's talking to they're Josh. They're all talking, they're not talking to Josh. Nobody's talking in the building. I like that. Okay, in the building. Uh, the people that know aren't talking, and the people that don't know are probably talking a lot about it. But look, if I told you, Bonky, we're going we're gonna to let Ritter play the last four games of the season, and uh, he's going to win two of them, and he's going to lose two of them. He's going to throw the ball more than 100 times. Uh, you can probably look it up quicker than I can. Maybe he got up to 120 passes in those four games. However many he threw, one thing I do know, he did not throw an interception. He struggled in the red zone, and you would expect that. This team struggled in the red zone all year. My point is, if I told you those things, he started four games, he wins two of them, maybe he won one against Tampa that that was was Blaine Gabbert-led, but, you know, he can't pick the people he's going to play. He can only try to put the points on the scoreboard. So I, I think it's a little unfair to start picking on this player. Um, 
And, well, I was picking. I was picking on him even before this, so I'm even more yeah. guilty. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but I, I think he did everything within a rookie season uh, that they asked him to do, and I, I don't think that they will be going back to a well this soon and quarterbacks. Um, but I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, I thought Ritter uh, accomplished just what he needed to do for the season. He is a Louisville kid, so we have to be all for him. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he's from Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, University of Louisville didn't want to give him a scholarship either, so he went to Cincinnati. And uh, he didn't throw many interceptions there either. But he's an impressive player. I think this player is always going to do more than what people expect of him. And I think Joe Montana was drafted in the third round, Bob. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying Russell, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick, too, and, and for a long time he looked awesome. Now we don't know, uh, but we'll see. By the way, Desmond Ritter last year, 73 out of 115 for 708 yards, two touchdowns, and 0, 0.0 interceptions. Farrell was dead on with that call. Uh, so let's get into our guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'll bring him in right now. He's been playing fantasy football for more than two decades. Within the last five years or so, half decade, he moved up to the highest of high-stakes leagues in the FFPC. He is now, uh, after uh, getting to the top four in 2021, uh, he is now the defending champion of the FFPC High Society League Number 1, cashed a $50,000 grand prize along with it. Please welcome in the warrior of fights himself, Eric Johnson. Eric, welcome into the show, man. Hey, there he is. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing, Baki Farrell? Can you hear love me? love that Ford Field. Just yeah. love it. So actually, this is uh, it's funny. This picture behind me is a picture I went to the game. It was uh Thanksgiving game, Minnesota versus Detroit. I want to say... 2017 or so 2016 2017 i think and it was just a phenomenal phenomenal game you know it's always great going to ford field and uh one of the funny things is we actually me and uh, my buddy had tickets on the 50 yard line on row one so we were right behind minnesota's bench and one of the things that it, it just gets me every time you know i was only about maybe 20 yards away from Jarek McKinnon while he bench warmed the entire game. And, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you, you look at guys like that with so much talent and you're just wondering like, what were you doing back then? Because he, he barely touched the ball. And then when he started moving around, like when he went to San Fran, obviously what he's doing in Kansas city, it's amazing, yeah. but it almost looked like he was crying half the time, but anyway. <laughs> All right. So, so the other thing, well, that's awesome. By the way, um, I, I, I have never, I went to, um, in 2020, I didn't think about this, 2021 Christmas uh, day game, I went to Lambeau Field to see the Packers and the Browns. Uh, the first day of 2023, I saw the Packers um, play the Vikings um, at Lambeau Field. I have yet to go to a Thanksgiving day game. I think that'd be a lot Ooh. of fun. I'm going to have to get the Detroit or Dallas to do it unless the, the NFL puts the Packers on at uh, in primetime, one of those. Uh, uh, one of those years. Now, the other thing I should bring up, and Dave the Dizzle Gerzak already pointing this out, and I was going to bring this up um, prior to, to Dave saying this, but I'll bring it up now. Eric, not only do you have a tremendous first name, not only do you spell your first name properly, E-R-I-C, but your last name is actually my middle name. So we have a couple of Eric Johnsons on the show tonight, Eric Johnson, wow. and then Eric Johnson Balkman. So there you go. So did you ever get EJ growing up? Because I got it no. whether I left it or not. No, and, and I think it's different. I got EB 
because people don't not a lot of people knew my middle name or whatever. I got some EB. Um, but I would imagine that you get EJ. There is a period in like fourth grade for maybe like three or four months. I tried to go by EJ instead of Eric and it just didn't take. <laughs> so I went back to Eric. I said the heck with it. Let, let's roll with Eric. And then I became bulky and now I'm bulky. So it, it is what it is. And and we just roll on. I like bulky. I like Eric. Anything is is good. Um, just call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. All right. So, so Eric, uh, congratulations on the High Society win uh, last year. Obviously, $50,000. Uh, that is awesome. When you are not crushing the High Society League, can you tell us what you're doing for a living over in Michigan? Sure. Um, I am in sales. I actually am a mortgage banker. So I'm the guy that you call and, you know, just start yelling, what's your rate at? You know, I've <laughs> been doing that for over a decade myself. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff, but not as fun as fantasy football. I'll tell you that much. I knew I saw you on the big short. That's where I've seen you before. You were in that field. That was great. You did a wonderful, you did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, Bonky, um, I got to ask some questions here. Um, I, I guess I really want to start. Hang on. I've got them in order on here. Um, I, I guess I really want to start about this high society thing. You know, I, I've always wanted to meet one of the high society players, and now I've accomplished that. You know, when it's, when it's going off live in Las Vegas, uh, um, Alex won't even let me in the room. <laughs> <laughs> he won't even so so I so it's great to meet you. When we have uh, here in Kentucky, we have we have a big Super Bowl event draft, and and one of the drafters, one of the guys that's a really good player, told me, you know, hey, you got some real sharks there. I don't know if I want to join. I'll I'll come to the party, but I don't know if I want to draft. Do you do anything different? when you swim in those waters with all those sharks there, do you approach it differently or do you just bring your regular game? 100% different strategy. Okay. You know, if you are jumping into this pool, you're putting $10,000 for a buy-in. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. yeah. And if I'm going to be doing that, I'm going to be prepared. That is the number one thing. You, you hear about being prepared for a draft all the time. What does that really mean? Does that mean that you looked at an ADP sheet from one, maybe two places? Maybe you did a mock draft. Stood out in the hallway and looked at the board, maybe took a picture of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know, and that's always fun to do. But, hey, I'll tell you, the biggest thing is you need to be so prepared that you know where every player is going in every round. I'm not talking about the first two rounds. I'm talking about the first 20. And the way that I do that is just like you do anything else. You actually practice. Oh, um, gotcha. This is the way that I've been doing it is I've been doing actually best ball drafts. And I've been doing not two, not five, not 10. I will do over the course of the off season, a couple of hundred best ball drafts. Mm -hmm. Now this is important to know that obviously best ball is not redraft. People are going to go a little bit different, but who's not going to go different really much at all is going to be your first five, six rounds. Those are going to be darn near identical. And you're going to start to see where these people are coming off the board. So you need to know where these value picks are going, because I will tell you right now, what really matters the most is your first 
six to eight picks. Mm -hmm. If you look at a redraft team at the end, you'd be shocked to find that half that team, especially after, say, round eight, is gone every single time. Mm -hmm. I, I just looked at mine from uh, from this. I had two players after round eight that were still on my team by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. two. So you need to know where all these players are going and you need to know how to pivot and you need to know how to grab those value picks when they don't fall where they're supposed to. Bonky Eric is not keeping Josh Kelly on his team. He may draft him, not going to keep him. I, I unfortunately did keep one person all year that I just kicked Who myself. Was? Elijah Moore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I just couldn't get rid of him. I, I just couldn't bring myself to drop him. But um, the other thing, uh, part two of this, part two of this is knowing your league's rules. So the FFPC is one of my favorite fantasy football formats, especially with the victory points, because of just that. You know, you need to know how your league works. Just winning every single game is not going to win you the championship. Because first off, if you win every single game, but you don't score high enough, you're not going to get enough victory points. Yep, victory points. And if you get into the playoffs, but your team isn't high-powered enough to score points, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to win because this format, it's a two-week point fest. Right. So if you don't have high-ceiling players that are going to be having something to play for in those last two weeks, you, you just should mail it in right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Now, for this league, I'm going to tell you, I squeaked into the playoffs with a 7-7 seven and seven record. 7-7 mm. seven, seven seven record. The only reason I had a seven and seven record is because everybody decided to score points on me. <laughs> yeah. I had the second highest points against in the entire league. It was almost your heart. thousand points scored against me. So that that's tough. But hey, at the same time, what was I doing? I was Four scoring a yeah. hell of a ton of points on top of that. And so I was piling up enough victory points to still get in there. And once you're in, doesn't matter. You know, like mm -hmm. I think. I like to think about how about the 2011 Giants? You remember what their record was going into the playoffs? It's really bad. It was nine and seven. Hmm. What they do? I, I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember who they beat in the divisional round. They slaughtered Green Bay that year. Mm -hmm. uh, who was coming off that 15 win season, and they looked like a seven and they looked like a seven and nine team against the Giants that year. Giants were awesome uh, that year in the playoffs. Yep. Um, Eric, uh, Mr. Bakes a lot in the, uh, in the chat right now, he wants to know, now you, you talked about mock mock drafts before when, when you're doing best ball stuff, is it always just against other FFPC players? Do you ever do anything against any other like fantasy analysts or anything like that? No. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's something I forgot to, uh, to point out is I don't do mock drafts. I do money Real. drafts, right. Real money one. drafts. I don't care. It, it can be two dollars. It can be yeah. five dollars. Real thing. It's got to be something because be. if you're doing a mock draft, there's always one clown that isn't taking it seriously. Yep, at and least one. You get <laughs> one clown in there, and it screws up the entire draft. You just wasted your time. You know, and, and hey, that's good. That's good advice. And I'd like Mr. Bates a lot to continue a follow up question. I'd like to know the 
the origin of his name. His, <laughs> yeah. his, it would be, that, that's a whole other show on that. Yeah, yeah. and and I, YouTube might might not allow us to to oh. delve deep into that. I'm not sure. Uh, what they will allow us to delve deep on is the Cowboys' backfield. Now, a uh, couple of things here. You had Ezekiel uh, Elliott on this team last year, Eric. If you're drafting right now or if you were drafting in the never-too-early um, tournament, would you be drafting as if Ezekiel Elliott is is going to be the guy and Tony Pollard's going to sign elsewhere? Would you be drafting based on Tony Pollard staying in Dallas? Would you be drafting based on Dallas getting another running back to pair with Elliott? How would you handle Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard in drafts right now for the players that are watching this that are in drafts right now? Gotcha, Bucky. This season, you had Ezekiel Elliott as the, the starter, goal line back, short yardage back, obviously Pollard. This has been a controversy forever. You know, he's a better back. Yes, mm -hmm. he's got more juice in him. Would you say he was better than early Zeke? I wouldn't say so necessarily, but Pollard's going to be back. And when I say Pollard's going to be back, he's going to be back in the exact same role because mm -hmm. Zeke is trusted in what he's doing right now. And Jerry Jones loves him some Zeke. We all know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to it, Pollard's going to have, I think, a little bit more opportunity. He's going to eat into some of Zeke's opportunity for sure. But Zeke's still going to be the one they're jamming in at the goal line. I think that they're smart enough in Dallas that they don't want to see what happened to Zeke and get him just so beat up and worn out that he's done. And I mean, after three years, you could see Zeke starting to taper and then starting to, to get beat up and just wear out. You know, he's, he's like that truck that you put 100,000 miles a year on instead of 50. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't think they want to do that to Pollard. I don't think also that they trust Pollard to do that. I don't think mm -hmm. they trust Pollard to be a workhorse back. You know, you don't see a lot of this stuff, but he, his role is perfect. It's keeping him fresh. Mm -hmm. It's keeping him prime. And he's not taking the beating that Zeke is. Let Zeke take the beating. He's the old truck. You know, that's fine. And it's, like, always, it's, it's always good to get outside when somebody else is banging up the middle. And so you won high society mm -hmm. with Ezekiel Elliott on your roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take a, take a little, take a little screenshot of that bulky, send it on to Dave Turp, Ezekiel mm -hmm. Elliott on the high society winning <laughs> roster. I tell you, let, let's talk a little dynasty because dynasty's coming up. And I went uh, to my FFPC and I adopted orphan and I went in there and found one that, um, has Amari Cooper on it. And Amari Cooper hasn't been a target lately for me in drafts. And you kind of wonder which Amari Cooper you're going to get. But I think now with what we've been through this year and what is possibly forthcoming next year with a year to prepare with Watson, that Amari Cooper will emerge as a really, really um, – will fulfill his – expectations of what we think of when we think of the best of Amari Cooper. Uh, do you agree with me? Do you like the Watson Cooper moving forward in, in the dynasty world? Absolutely love it. I'll tell you what, I had Amari Cooper on my team. Obviously that's why we're bringing it up a little bit. And oh. he was my favorite pick of the draft. Um, Here's the thing that, that most people aren't thinking of. People would think of Cleveland as this huge um, run first team. You know, that's their identity. That's what they're going to be. So we don't want to 
put some work into someone like Amari Cooper. We don't want to trust them as much. I look at it the exact opposite way. Do you know why they've had a run first identity? Because they haven't had anybody else to do it. And you've got Deshaun Watson in there right now. Do you know who Deshaun Watson is not? Deshaun Watson is not Baker Mayfield. All right. He is not. And he is going to be able to throw the ball and he's going to need a number one target. You know, you look at what he did with Hopkins, geez, OP. And here is the other thing. They're going to want to go ahead and start scheming some plays for Deshaun to get loose. And do you think Deshaun's going to be able to get loose if they're stacking the box for Chubb every single play? Absolutely not. You know, that's one of Deshaun's strengths is getting out there and using his feet a little bit. So I think we're going to start seeing a big shift in Cleveland towards a little bit more of a balanced offense. Yes. And I think Cooper is going to benefit from this amazingly. So beautiful. And and uh, you're doing a, a great job of selling um, all the Amari Cooper dynasty orphans that are available out there. Right go now. get them, boys. Go, go get them right now. MyFFPC.com. Pick up those Cooper. Uh, got mine. Um, you know, this is interesting. This is a conversation that I think has been brewing for me since the end of the regular season. I've talked to a lot of players about it. Um, Travis Kelsey, now that Tom Brady is, is retired, Travis Kelsey is the new alien in the NFL, just keeps getting better and better every year. Um, he's going to be the tight end, first tight end off the board, going at the 102 right now in the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. But the question here is, who is the number two tight end? Is it Mark Andrews for you, Eric, or or is it a guy like TJ Hawkinson this year? This one is really tough. It, it's really tough. And, I, you know, personally, you see, we've got some Honolulu blue on. So, you know, I, I have a little bit of love. No, not a little bit. I got a lot of love for Hawk. I really do. Um, I just don't think he had a good opportunity here in Detroit. What he has in Minnesota is off the hook. You know, Minnesota has always sat there and schemed up plays for their tight ends. And they also have a Justin Jefferson, who that's a full-time job, keeping him under wraps. You know, they've got Dalvin. They've got Madison. They've got the whole package. You know, they've got a phenomenal offense. Defense needs a lot of work. But anyway, we won't get into that. So the opportunities are going to be there for Hawk because of his talent as a player. I'm not going to say that he's a more talented player than Mark Andrews. I, I do not say that that is the situation. I think that his scheme and the team that he's on is going to give him more opportunities to score more. You know, unless we see a huge addition to, uh, to Baltimore on the, the passing side, teams are just going to lock him down. I mean, since Hollywood left, what do we do? We had no run established in Baltimore. You had no other receiving option, you know, and so you just saw Mark Andrews start to get clobbered and, you know, that was it. It was over. So unless we see a, a monstrous piece added to that receiving core, I just don't see Andrews having nearly the opportunity that Hawk does. Um. Okay, you piqued my interest talking about Amari Cooper. No more Amari Cooper talk. But let's talk about other dynasty pickups because the dynasty. I'm I'm in my third season. I'm kind of beginning to get the hang of it. I I don't really do so well in the draft rooms uh, with trading with the, with the, or with the, in the uh, it, it, yeah with the trade offers and the and the chatting it up. I, I don't. But I love drafting, and I love the redraft uh, 
the drafting of the rookies every year. So, but what I'm interested here, rookies or veterans, guys that uh, that may have some value that other people can't see. Uh, you you want to throw out some names? Can you think of anyone like that? Sure. And then in the dynasty world, people that you know, I'm definitely looking to acquire right now. Uh, we talked. Well, you talked about one of them earlier. That's Brock Purdy. You know, I think that he's got a very bright future, um, especially in, you know, your super flex leagues. You, know, you got to find a way to get him. I'm not saying go and sell, you know, everything and mortgage the farm for it. But if you can get him for the right price, he's going to be around a long time because he is built for that system. I do not for a second think that Trey Lance is going to be able to take that from him based on the way that that system is set up, especially with their ads. You know, you add a Christian McCaffrey on there, that's not built for a Trey Lance um, type system. That's built for a Brock Purdy, a Jimmy G system. Uh, someone else that I think is a huge target to go after right now, Darren Waller. Waller had a very bad season. Let's just, let's not sugarcoat it. But he was hurt most of the season. We now are starting to see Josh Jacobs finally kind of uh, blossom and get the opportunities he needs. We're seeing Devontae Adams beat Devontae Adams. Let's just be honest. Dude's a monster. And you're going to start to see with the right quarterback under center, um, a huge, huge opportunity to open up for Waller because he's a very talented player. And then one more that I will say that, you know, and I hate you know, saying this because half the people that are listening are probably in a league with me somewhere. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this one I really don't mind saying because I'm, I've got him in probably 75% of my leagues, is, uh, is Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney. This guy has so much talent. I think that he's got wide receiver one opportunity coming up with the way Justin Fields is starting to pick up the game, the way that the Bears are finally starting to get it together. And I think that he is probably a steal for what you can get him for right now. So I would do what you can to get those guys you, know, you can always say, go after guys, go after Cup, go after CMC. You're going to pay everything for these guys. Mm-hmm. But the guys that I just talked about, you're not going to have to pay that much for, and I think they're going to be huge, huge pieces. And Amari Cooper, too, yes. You know, I'll bring up Cooper right now. Wide receiver 21, 505 in the, in the never-too-early best ball. That's right behind Pittman and London, right ahead of DJ Moore and Keenan Allen. Darren Waller's interesting because he was, you know, obviously highly sought after in tight end premium formats last year, but he has fallen to the seventh tight end off the board at the 601 right now in the never too early tournament. That's obviously Kelsey Andrews Hawkinson are, are ahead of him. And then the other three guys, Kittle, Pitts, and Goddard, uh, now ahead of him as well. And, you know, Schultz, Ingram, you could make the case that maybe because those guys had such big years, maybe they move ahead of Waller. Maybe Waller's value actually drops a little bit further before it gets better. In Dynasty, it's a little bit different, obviously, um, but certainly I, I think you're giving us a, a really good idea of who to go after here, and Waller is definitely at the top of my list for, for the guys that you had mentioned here. I do want to get to a couple of uh, to e- uh, emails here for you, Eric, that rolled in over the course of the last 36 hours, roughly. Um, Don in Orlando, what kind of production uh, – this is a good question for you. What kind of production is Jamison Williams going to put up this season for the Lions? Thanks, Eric. That's Don in Orlando. So this is a good question, um, and I guess we could, it's got a dynasty twist to it too because a lot of people drafted Jamison Williams in like the mid to late first round last year. They sat on him, 
Is there going to be a return on their investment already this season? What are your projections here for uh, for 2023 for Jamison Williams, Eric? I think we're going to see some good things from him. Not amazing. It's not going to be, you know, blown out of your mind. But I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver, too, coming up this next season. I think he's going to get a whole ton of opportunity. Uh, one piece of the puzzle we just don't know yet, is Chark going to be there? Is Chark going to be there? If Chark's not there, I think his value is going to skyrocket even more. You know, yes, you've got Amon Ra, the sun god there, and he is going to get his because the, the dude's just amazing. But when it comes down to, you know, your outside receivers, I think Jamison Williams, uh, he obviously can take the uh, top off any defense, and I think he's going to get the opportunities. But what Detroit's going to continue to try and do is establish that run. You know, they have no problem keeping the ball on the ground, especially in, you know, in the end zone, in the red zone. So I don't think that we have the opportunity for him to get 10 touchdowns in the season unless he's really going ahead and just smoking people and uh, going long balls. But I think that he can definitely pay off as an easy wide receiver too. And um, I think maybe even a closer to the – the high-end wide receiver to potentially pushing to wide receiver one, depending on Sharks not there or not. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting thing to watch for this year because we did, you know, we had such a small book on Jamison Williams last year. But we just, you know, we we thought we knew um, what kind of player he was, and then he came back so late it's difficult to say, oh, he's good or he's bad or he's going to take a step forward this year. Wide receiver 38 at the 801 right now. Deontay Johnson and Cortland Sutton are going right ahead of him, but he's moved ahead of Rashad Bateman and Jahan Dotson uh, in the never-too-early best ball tournament. So that is a name to watch for. Certainly going to be a polarizing guy. Well, maybe he won't be polarizing, but he's going to be a very interesting guy as we get closer and closer to the main event in September this year. Uh, one other email here for you, uh, Eric. Uh, Aaron in Conway, South Carolina. After a big year last year, do you think Saquon Barkley – is going to be overdrafted this season. Aaron, thank you for watching, and thank you for the email. I'm going to put a little addendum onto his question here. Saquon Barkley running back four at the 112 right now, so he's still a first-round pick. I also want to bring up the dynasty angle with this. Now, he is technically a free agent. I know the Giants want, want to bring him back. I got to believe that anybody who signs him is going to utilize him uh, big time. But this is a guy who has dealt with injuries before, whether they're freak injuries or not. He still missed time. Uh, number one, is he going to be overdrafted this year, Eric? And then number two, what would you be looking to do with him if you had him in a dynasty league or you were thinking about trading for him in a dynasty league? You could not pay me to draft Saquon Barkley. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just hands down. I, I think that he's absolutely overdrafted where he's at. And mm -hmm. I think that. You know, we, we've already seen the best of them, and that was years ago. Yes, mm -hmm. he, he's definitely a, a very talented player. And, yes, he's going to get the work. But you're going to start to see that work taper off more and more. We've got injury concerns. Um, I mean, yes, it, maybe he, he lands in a different spot. Who knows? I don't think so. I think that the Giants will keep him. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to hold up enough to return that investment as a, an RB RB4 off the board. I just don't see it. So if I've got him in Dynasty, especially the way that he did this year, I'm going to go ahead and I am going to see what I can get sell high right now. Sell high. 
you know, if, if you see him dip into the, the second round in drafts, I would grab him there, you know, because that's opportunity. That's a great value. But picking him up in the, the first round, I just see it as a fool's errand, to be honest. You have uh, you have really given us a lot of good advice here. There's a little activity coming up next weekend known as the Super Bowl, and I'm curious. Uh, you, you know, I would like your opinion on it, specifically some of the other things, because, you know, we could just ask a guy, who do you like in the Super Bowl and be done with it. But your uh, answers to all previous questions and commentary – make me want to move up to a graduate-level class. So will Kelsey score a touchdown? How many catches will he have? I also need to know if Mahomes is going to throw a pick. Mahomes often throws more picks than people say he does, and probably more than Ritter, who we just talked about. Will Boston Scott, the giant killer, score a touchdown? That's I gave that to Fetch last week, Balky. He didn't Mm -hmm. bet it. Uh, (laughs) Your boy boy McKinnon, what's his future look like in this game? And you know what? Juju Smith-Schuster's maybe not even going to play. Uh, maybe that uh, trainer that got uh, they, they got our guy, uh, Miss Freimeyer, that got Mahomes back in the game and ready to play. So first of all, you can tell me who is going to win and then answer all those other questions that are very important to many of our listeners. I got you. Kansas City. Kelsey will have two touchdowns. Mm. Kelsey will have nine catches. Wow. Austin Scott will score a touchdown. Mahomes will throw one pick. Mm-hmm. What this else is there? Uh, <laughs> McKinnon. What does McKinnon do? McKinnon. McKinnon's going to – he's going to have a, a mediocre game. It's not going to well, be bad. It's not going to hurt you to, to have him in any type of lineup, but he's not going to explode. Who will be the leading receiver for the Eagles? Leading receiver for the Eagles is going to be Devonta Smith. Okay, and then the last question is, since you have Kansas City winning, can you give me a score? But it essentially would be an alternative point spread. I'm looking at a score here of 24. We'll say 24 to 21. That's what we're going to go 21. Very good. That's the under. That's the under. Thank you. That's the under, and uh, there's only one field goal and two kickers, so it's the under on the kicking prop. Uh, yep, Boston, absolutely. Which, which I've got the kicking prop right in the Super Bowl since 2009. I should have good just for you, Farrell. That's impressive stuff. Yeah. That is good stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, $50,000, obviously, that's a lot of money. Um, do you have, have you already spent it? Do you have any plans on what you're going to do with the, with the high society winnings, Eric? Well, I feel like. I'm probably obligated at this point to buy the most expensive Mike Evans jersey that I can find. <laughs> Autograph. Autograph. <laughs> yeah, it, it just feels like it's necessary because you know he definitely had a, a hand in that in the very end. Thank you, sir. 48, <laughs> point, 48 points in week 17, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, it helped out for uh, – I think I had Elijah Moore in that day who put in like three, so – <laughs> oh, that Elijah Moore, uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, and it's it's something where, you know, I wasn't 100% sold on, you know, running again at the uh, the high society once again. Um, but, yeah, when, when you win the first place, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in for, for 2023 on the high society. In fact, I'm going to be bringing one of my good friends, co-manager, uh, Mr. Rich McKenna, 
He's going to be joining me. And we have a couple of dynasty teams as well. We're going to put you on notice. If you ever see warrior chugs in the FFP, <laughs> you're on notice. Me, we are going to take you down. Oh, I've got a, I've got a question. I'm going to deviate a little bit from it then. Uh, tonight because i really like where you and balky were going in that conversation about the tight ends what's intriguing me is our shift to tight ends that have no traditional responsibility of a tight end you know even darren waller's been known to do some blocking and it, uh, uh, but i've watched evan ingram i've watched what they've tried to do with the, with the kid over at atlanta with pitts um my question to you staying with tight ends do you see a guy liking or any player that could be coming out of school this year, I can think of a couple that would fill that role of move tight end or a slot tight end that is, is a hybrid position but is going to catch a lot of balls and enjoy those 1.5 uh, points per game. Uh, you see anybody like that? And if you don't, you can just tell us some players that you really, really love to add to your dynasty squads or that you're targeting in some of these drafts and some and a couple guys that you just really want to stay away from yeah for sure um on the tight end point that's such a wasteland we all know that you know there's there's only a few out there and you're taking stabs but there's definitely a few that, that you can keep your eye on that i think have a lot of opportunity i'm not saying they're going to be a kelsey or a kittle or you know a hawk or something like that but some people that I think are going to have some good, decent roles that, that you can pick up in the end of a draft, you know, some people like uh, Dolce, you know, I think that he's got a lot of opportunity. Uh, you got that uh, Bellinger out in, uh, in, in New York, right? Yeah. I think that he's got a lot of opportunity. We, we still have to, you know, see what goes on with the, uh, the injury, how that you know, affects him long-term, but I, it, it's so tough. One person I am going to tell you, and I'm going to have haters for this right away that I'm going to stay away from and that everybody needs to just give up on Kyle Pitts. You just got to give up on him. When Maybe if he gets out of Atlanta, because the guy, yes, he's talented. Yes, he's got a position where, pardon me, he's in a position that has a lot of opportunity, but Atlanta's not going to give it to him. Mm -hmm. We've seen it. We've seen Atlanta with no wide receivers, and they still <laughs> And it's true. it is. So we got to give up on them. And not just that, stop trying to pretend that we can get a tight end year one or year two in the league that is going to be a master. Mm. Now, you look at all these top tight ends, how long have they been in the league? Mm. Eight years before they blossom, usually, before they actually turn into those elite tight ends. It's not like a wide receiver, a Justin Jefferson, who's going to pop up right away and he's going to be a superstar. When's the last time we even saw a year one tight end do anything that warrants putting him in a lineup? Everyone's Friar Muth, maybe Friar yeah. Muth in his rookie year. Friar Muth, and he's what you know, low end tight end one. You know, at, at best, at best. Other than that, you know, people just have this thing for Kyle Pitts, and we need to we need to be done with him. Put him <laughs> on the shelf, sell him for whatever you can. And uh, maybe we can look back at them in like three, four years. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, other people that I, I'm going to fade, at his current cost, at his current cost, 
I'm going to stick away from uh, from JT. Probably going to have haters for that. But we have no idea where the uh, the Colts is going to, are going to be next year. We don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know if he's going to have an injury problem also. We, we've run into it two years now. And we can't expect him to be getting 25 touches a game. And we don't even know if that's how the uh, the Colts are going to move because we don't even know who their darn quarterback's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Or their head coach. What's that? Oh, or yeah. their head coach. Yeah, yeah. they got to figure that out yet too. Um, I, I So a lot of good uh, analysis there, uh, Eric. This this was tremendous uh, to, to have you come on tonight and talk not only about how you've changed your strategy when you're jumping into a high society draft as opposed to you know some of the other drafts you participate in. I know you have a lot of dynasty stuff out there. Um, and you're getting prepped for that with with rookie drafts and everything coming up. Um, and uh, I'm so glad that that you carved out a little time on this Friday night to to join the podcast and and uh, bring us into your brain, as it were, to tell us a little bit about how you like to play fantasy football. Congratulations on the 50k that you won in the High Society. Why not do it two years in a row? And uh, we'll see you in That's Vegas uh, to do it again uh, this coming year. Certainly appreciate you uh, hopping aboard, man. Congratulations. Good luck in 2023. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the warrior of fight himself joining us on the show, the High Society League number one, $50,000 champion and uh, dynasty champion as well uh, that uh, participates in a lot of FFPC dynasty leagues. We're getting up into dynasty season. I know it's never too early best ball stuff going on, but we're going to get some dynasty stuff uh, on the podcast over the next couple of months as well. We're already getting to some of it in uh, in, – uh, the YouTube chat right now too, They're talking about you know Jackson Smith and Jigba and Bijan Robinson and Michael Mayer and C.J. Stroud oh, and all these guys. Like it's it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Farrell, let's go rapid fire on some of these emails as we're almost uh, up against it here. <clears throat> Rich in Baldwin Park, California. Hey guys, what should I do in the never too early drafts with the Buccaneers skill guys without Brady? Thanks so much, Rich in Baldwin Park, California. You know, um, the Dizzle was pointing out in the chat earlier that. Um, Leonard Fournette finished in FFPC last year as the 13th ranked running back in fantasy points per game, yet he's being drafted as running back 36 right now. Um, are you knocking down Fournette because of Rashad White? Are you knocking down Evans and Godwin because we don't know who the quarterback is? Farrell, how do you handle these Buccaneers guys right now? Buccaneer players have tremendous talent. They're very, very good football players. They've had to run certain routes because Brady wants them to run certain routes. He wants to put the ball in a certain place. It'll be what it'll be interesting to see if some of them can break off routes and help a different type of quarterback play with a little more freedom at the position. I think it's fascinating for all those guys. Buy them on the cheap. Uh, Bill in Syracuse, I happen to agree with that too. Bill is Syracuse, New York. What's up, HSFF hosts? How concerned are you two about this Joe Mixon thing? This is something I saw yesterday uh, evening about him uh, allegedly pointing a gun at at some woman in downtown Cincinnati and making a threat to her. Uh, The charge I know formally got dropped today, but the victim uh, still said, or the alleged victim, still said that she wants to press charges and there's going to be a further investigation on this. doesn't look like it's going to be going away. Um, certainly, I know it's a serious matter, but we have this fantasy football show. We talk about the fantasy football angle of it. And I think with Joe Mixon here, fair, this has got to be concerning for a guy who's being picked right now um, in the, uh, the never too early best ball tournament. Joe Mixon is the uh, 12th running back off the board in the third round. W- what do you think that uh, is this going to follow him all season? Is, is he likely to miss time here? 
you don't do these things on Mr. Brown's team. So there's a team of attorneys at Carew Tower. They're going to work to make sure that Mr. Mixon doesn't suffer uh, at the hands of the justice system uh, in uh, South Ohio. However, you don't do these kind of things on Mr. Brown's team. This is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And I, and I, I should mention too, like this is, you know, the same guy who is at um, Oklahoma and there's video of him punching a young woman there too. Yeah, so yeah, there, yeah. there's a history there, which yeah. is, which is uh, obviously concerning. Um, we will go to, who are we going to next here? Charlie Bloomington, Illinois with no Kellen Moore. Are we going to see a boring Mike McCarthy offense in Dallas? Now keep up the great work. That is Charlie in Bloomington, Illinois. I always thought when the Kellen Moore thing, when Mike McCarthy got hired and Kellen Moore stayed on, I was always kind of like, you know, I don't think their philosophies uh, really mesh. And it took a few years, but now they are parting ways. And I don't really know what to expect uh, from a, from Mike McCarthy calling plays in Dallas with the talent he's got there. But, man, Farrell, I, I don't necessarily think I love it. Well, you know more about that than I do, Balky, because you have much more McCarthy experience. But – these are talented players. You'll never have boring. Uh, you'll never watch a boring offense that C.D. Lamb, uh, Tony Pollard, and the rest of these Cowboys are part of, especially um, with Prescott and the tight end. Let's find a. Let's look for a solution in the offseason. I'm really not concerned who's calling plays. I'm really looking for a solution to get Dak Prescott returning to what he needs to be. All the focus is on. Uh, Russell Wilson at Denver. Dak did not have the kind of season that we would expect out of him. Both these guys need a rebirth in their career, and it'll be the coaching talent that comes into the building, as we talk about over in Atlanta. The building um, in Dallas will uh, – these players are going to benefit from the mix of of who's coming in. And and if the players are ready, I'm not really concerned about who's calling and, and I guess the thing I'll just bring up with Mike McCarthy is I know the frustration with fans and the frustration, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers um, provoked a move from Mark Murphy, uh, the president of the Packers, to make a move to fire Mike McCarthy during the season. And that's not something that usually happens in Green Bay. So I know there's a lot of frustration with it. Mike McCarthy took a year off away from the game, surrounded himself with a lot of other um, offensive minds. And obviously, I'm sure Kellen Moore rubbed off on him, probably learned a few things from him as well. So it's too early to say, but yeah, am I? If what's my nervousness scale that, that the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to stink with Mike McCarthy next year? I don't know. It's probably at like a two, two and a half. But it, it, there's something. It's registering at least mm-hmm. um, as far as Mike McCarthy goes calling plays in Dallas. Final email tonight, John in Little Rock, Arkansas. What's your outlook on the 2023 Broncos with Sean Payton in charge? Uh, thank you for the email, John Farrell. Did we talk about Sean Payton last week? Since he got uh, hired in Denver, what what do you think he's going to do for Russell Wilson? We predicted he would get hired. You know, he can't do anything but get better. Um, you know, Sean Payton is fifty nine years old now, Balky. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. I would have, yeah. I would have uh, gone on the under on that one. Uh, they've given up a lot to get him there. They feel like they have the players in place to get him there. Who knows if it's the right decision? But I think we've got a coach here now on a five-year contract that mm-hmm. brings stability uh, to this organization. And, uh, yes, it, it, it's going to be better. Will it be ever what we expected it to be? Stay tuned. But uh, it's it's uh, it, it's intriguing. It's a change that had to be made. And it's, uh, you know what, you, you, you went to the uh, – 
you, you went to the Cadillac uh, dealership and you bought the best looking vehicle in the showroom. So, you know, that's, that's what they've got. Quarterback 20 right now uh, is Russell Wilson in the never too early uh, best ball tournament. You have Cortland Sutton right now going off the board as wide receiver 37. Wow. Uh, that, that That is in the eighth wow. round, by the way. 37 wow. is Cortland Sutton. So the mighty have fallen there. Jerry Judy, wide receiver 28. So he's actually a little bit higher at the 605. And I'll look up Dulcich real quick um, as far as his uh, ADP goes just for everybody out there after this uh, uh, Peyton news. Uh, Greg Dulcich, tight end 12. At the 906. So he is the 12th tight end off the board. Shout out to Darren Armani at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com. That's where we get all our great ADP. And if you're not subscribing to fantasymojo.com, you are doing it wrong. So make sure you are subscribing. It is a great weapon in the in the holster that you can have as you try to uh, march through all the FFPC leagues this year uh, and maybe win only a million bucks in the FFPC main event. Uh, Farrell, uh, certainly appreciate you hanging out with me tonight, bringing your insight. I uh, always love talking ball with you. It's it's a lot of fun. So, so much fun that I don't think I can wait till next Friday to do it. We'll do the show. On, we'll do the show on Wednesday uh, next week. Same bad time, uh, just a different day, but same bad channel. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're welcome, brother. See you Wednesday. You got it. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. Remember to check out Farrell Elliott's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com. A lot of Sweet 16 stuff being rolled out. A lot of stuff you can sign up for for both online, Louisville and Cincinnati, when the main events are going off there uh, this upcoming summer. And don't forget about all the other ancillary stuff that you can that you can play online there. KFFSC.com is where to go. I want to thank Eric Johnson. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for watching, for listening. We are live, as I said, next Wednesday, 10, 9 central. We'll be joined by the 2022 FFPC Super Bracket $10,000 champion, John Pierce, will be our guest on Wednesday night. That's going to be a fun one. Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown is back. Uh, we go live Tuesday night at 10, 9 central. And then don't forget about this, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network goes live uh, Thursday night at 7, 6 central. That's on the Better Sports Network app, which is free in the App Store and Google Play. Play. Uh, so you get three nights of high stakes fantasy football conversation, 10 o'clock Tuesday night, 10 o'clock Wednesday night, and then of course, seven o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, you can win $25, uh, $25,000, not just 25 bucks, $25,000 in the 2023 FFPC main event, uh, excuse me, never too early best ball tournament, not the main event yet. Uh, it's just $125 to enter there. You can win 25 grand. You can also enter the never too early super flex best ball tournament for just a $35 fee and you can win five grand in that drafts going off uh, every day, uh, 30 second clock, 60 second clock, two hour clock, six hour clock, whatever you want. We have the format for you. And of course, the time period, you want to do it in there as well. Uh, both tournaments are running all the way up to the NFL draft, a champion crowned at the end of week 17. No kickers, no defenses in the never too early tournaments. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. Uh, really appreciate everybody who does that. It makes the content even better. And we'll keep up all, all the great content that we can uh, throughout, uh, throughout the season. It's going to be another great year on the FFPC YouTube channel. Thanks so much for your support on there as well. Uh, with that, I will bid you adieu. Your Pro Bowl weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. 
Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Uh, one other thing I should mention, too, if you are looking for Pro Bowl games analysis on the longest drive, the dodgeball, the flag football, uh, we will not be covering those topics next week unless we get an outpouring of support of wanting us to cover the Pro Bowl games as far as what it means for fantasy football. I'm just hoping everybody makes it through healthy. That's all I care about. Much more stuff coming up next week. Going to be a great week to talk Dynasty. Going to be a great week to talk Never Too Early drafts. And we'll get it going for you Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week uh, before the Super Bowl on Sunday. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend.